yeah, that was with the exhaust that came with the bike, but I've changed them since then, and they've been a little bit louder, not too great. Not too loud, but a little better than that. What's up, everybody? It's Ivan. I'm back. Cycle Shack Podcast. Thanks for bearing with me. I know I've been gone for a little bit, but uh, yeah, we took a little hiatus. Been busy at the underground at work. I'm sure all of you can understand that. It's Monday, September 30th, 2019. That's right. The season's coming to a close, guys, so you got to get that riding in. I know I normally ride till the first snowfall. Right after the first snowfall, the bike doesn't touch the road again. Why? Salty streets. And I ain't going to wash my bike in the cold, that's for sure. Hey, before we get started, I want to say thank you to Anchor.fm, the official sponsor of the Cycle Shack podcast. Check it out. You want to start your own podcast or listen to some, check out Anchor.fm when you're waiting for the best place to catch a podcast. I want to thank Technoax. Go to Technoax.com for all your royalty-free music. Check them out on YouTube or at Technoax.com. You can even check them out on iTunes. Want to say what's up? Happy belated birthday to Mr. AJ. Who's AJ? AJ is the Maverick Motorcycle, the Maverick Motorcycle Mechanic at your hometown alternative Harley shop. That's right. Armsco Custom Cycles in Totowano, Jersey. Performance installations, pipes, headers, performance intakes, tuning, custom bars, apes, chrome accessories, LED lighting, wheels, tires, custom seats, and more. Does painting, does detailing. Check them out. Mr. AJ at Armsco Custom Cycles. Let's get that phone number and address for you, will you? <laughs> ah, nothing changes. My computer's slow today. All right, Arms Co. Custom Cycles, 15 Pamela Drive, Totowa, New Jersey, 07512. Call AJ for an appointment, 201-697-0346. He's open Monday through Friday. Saturday's open 10 to 2. Sunday, he's closed, man. He's got to rest. That's the Lord's Day, baby. What's up, AJ? You know, I always say this. I've been saying this all summer. I haven't forgot you. I got to admit, I've just been procrastinating. I got to go out and talk to AJ, sit down with him, shoot the breeze, get to know the man a little bit more. Very interesting fella. Used to race uh, sport bikes. Had a a, a sport bike shop back in the day. And uh, came back into the business of repairing motorcycles uh, out of his... uh, two-car garage at home but <laughs> you look at this place it's like a pro shop man he's got everything professional armscocustomcycles.com is the website if you want to check him out by the way so we'll get to there we'll get there so took a quick hiatus for a little bit because well it's been real busy at work and uh I'd figure I'd take a little time to gather notes together and get some more stuff to talk about. Well, a little bit to talk about, not a whole lot. Thank everybody for bearing with me, for those who are tuning in again. It's been about, uh, what, my last podcast was April 5th. I'm sorry, April. See, my mind's all screwed up. My last podcast was August 15th, I think. Yeah, August 15th was the last time I was on the air with a podcast. So, uh, yeah, it's September 30th, almost two months. That's okay. Do a little bit of uh, a little bit of riding. A few weeks back, I want to say, what, beginning of September, I went to uh, the Delmarva Bike Week in uh, Ocean City, Maryland. 
wasn't too bad. Ocean City reminds me kind of a cross between uh, Miami and Atlantic City, right? Miami meets Atlantic City. That's what it looks like. Because you got all the crazy pastel colors on the on the on the main strip, right behind the beach, and some of it looks a little bit run down, but not too run down. But it's got this mystique about it, you know. You see all the seaside restaurants, everybody roaming around in their flip flops. It's kind of weird. It, it was hot as hell. Didn't feel like summer was over at all. It was technically still summer because it was, what, the weekend of uh, September 14th, I think it was. But, um, yeah, had a great time. A lot happening in the realm of motorcycles. A lot of deaths, unfortunately, man. I've got, like, three people here who passed that I'm going to mention. Two in the realm of motorcycles. One, just because I love watching the guy, but... um. Well, if we're going to get that out the way, first things first, Mr. Easy Rider himself, Peter Fonda, died at age 79. You know, the guy lived a great life. What can I say, right? It's Peter Fonda. And uh, so this was by CNN back in August 17th, 2019. You see how delayed I am? I'm giving you news from August. But CNN reported that the... Uh, Actor-director Peter Fonda, who stepped out of his legendary uh, Hollywood father's shadow to become a counterculture icon with his role in Easy Rider, passed away at the age of 79. Died of respiratory failure due to lung cancer at his Los Angeles home. Wow. You know, he'd, he'd made a few appearances on TV. You'd never know he had lung cancer. I mean, the guy was always thin. Seemed pretty fit for an older man. Didn't look too bad. You know, he wasn't saggy or beat up. Peter Fonda always kind of looked frail. Right? He was a thin dude. But, again, Mr. Easy Rider himself passed. So, um, yeah, man, that's one of his more famous, most famous roles. It became a uh, an iconic, it had an iconic following. And um, I think Easy Rider was uh, 50 years old, no? It was in the late 60s it was made. It was crazy. I mean, he did it alongside Dennis Hopper. Jack Nicholson had an appearance in it for a little bit. But um, it was a crazy movie. It's almost like a stoner movie. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, Peter Fonda, unfortunately. And uh, you know what? For the second uh, stint of bad news and passings, I used to watch this person. This person's related to the motorcycle and car scene, and I've watched this person all the time. She was uh, Jessie Combs, world's fastest woman on four wheels, she was known as. And um, she held the world record for the fastest woman. She had a land speed record. She held it on a 52,000 horsepower, jet-powered car. Okay? In the uh, Oregon desert. She also hosted a show on, um, let's see, was it Speed or Velocity Network? Those uh, Saturday morning mechanic shows. 
She had a show called All Girls Garage that she was on. She was also in overhauling. She was in Mythbusters for a little bit on uh, Discovery. Those were all Discovery networks, but um, yeah, she was first on. She was on Mythbusters, overhauling, but she was also known for All Girls Garage. The uh, three girls who would you know every week had different car projects, etc. And once in a while, they do motorcycles. Um, she was also an avid motorcycle rider. She was friends with motorcycle builder Jesse James, who built a, uh, I think, a custom urn for her. But anyway, um, yeah, man, so sad that I used to follow her and what she did. Um, says here that uh, while attempting to beat her own land speed record at 52 uh, in the 52,000 horsepower jet powered car, Driven by racer, fabricator, and television personality, Jesse Combs crashed in the Alvrod Desert in Oregon, killing her as local news reports. Combs was only 39 years old and held the title of the fastest woman on four wheels after breaking 398 miles per hour in the same North American Eagle Supersonic Speed Challenger in 2013. Combs was attempting, attempting to beat her previous record and had attempted it as recently as last year when she managed a 483-mile-per-hour shakedown run before mechanical problems ended the attempt. Mm. She has down on her Twitter feed on her Twitter feed when she failed at that attempt. It may seem like I'm a little crazy. To walk directly into the line of fire. Those who are willing are those who achieve great things. People say I'm crazy. I say thank you. That's cool. Well, unfortunately, she passed tragically. And, hey, she set records. Jesse was known for hosting, for her hosting work on television series, including Old Girls Garage, Overhauling, Extreme 4x4, and Autoblogs, The List. That's tragic passing number two. Still watch that show, Old Girls Garage, to this day. I mean, she was long gone from it, even before this. Um... I think they're into her second fill-in. But, um, well, I wasn't going to mention this till later in the podcast, so since I'm getting the bad news out of the way, this guy wasn't so much in, in, motorcycle, in the motorcycling world, but I love this guy. I'm a foodie. I love watching Food Network. I love to cook. I love to barbecue. I love to cook for my family. I'm a, kind of a barbecue connoisseur. I love smoking meat. Those of you that do know me know I have several different types of grills. I own a smoker. And even though I haven't done much of it this summer, I kind of do what I can. I like cooking for my family. I got all boys pretty much. So uh, one daughter, she's out the house. My boys love it when I cook a good uh, steak, ribs, etc. So I watch Food Network. And on Food Network, I watch, you know, all types of shows, uh, anything with barbecuing or I used to like watching right before I go to bed guys' grocery games with uh, Guy Fieri. Diners, drive-ins, and dives. You know what I mean? And he had a friend of his 
Chef Carl Ruiz. I used to listen to his podcast, the Opie Radio Podcast, with uh, Opie from Opie and Anthony. Well, uh, he split from Anthony. Had his own show on Sirius XM for a little bit. And um, I wouldn't say that Carl Ruiz was a sidekick. He was one of the guys who was on the show. And was uh, as equally funny on the show. So that's how I got to know him from Food Network and then to find out he was friends with Opie and did the the uh, Sirius XM radio show. And then it spinned off to a uh, podcast, the Opie Radio Podcast. And I was listening to him for almost two years and um, followed him around, followed him on uh, online, on Food Network, on his Facebook and uh, Instagram page. And unfortunately, he passed. September 22nd, last weekend. It says here, uh, CNN reports celebrity chef Carl Ruiz dies at age 44, man. Celebrity chef Carl Ruiz, the owner of La Cubana Restaurant, who made frequent appearances on the Food Network, has died. The New York restaurateur was 44 years old. On behalf of La Cubana family with heavy hearts, we are deeply saddened to share the passing of our beloved executive chef, Carl Ruiz. So, it's uh, it's sad, man, really, to, uh, to know this guy passed at such a young age, man, 44. You know what? I'm going to be completely honest. It's actually scary. That's the age I'm going to be soon. Months away. So, but, the, you know, this guy, of course, I followed him for the past five or six years. So the guy was, uh, you know, owning a restaurant would look like it was crazy stressful. And this was no slacking restaurant. This was, I think, was a $10 million place. Beautifully decorated. And he's opened up dozens and dozens of restaurants across the country for other chefs, helping them out, et cetera. And uh, it's stressful, really stressful. On top of that, the guy was a party animal, right? Um, and I'm not criticizing that. I'm just explaining his lifestyle. He had a saying called Ruizing. He was Ruizing. Ruizing meant he had a cigarette in his hand, a beer in the other, and a shot glass in front of that. And he'd do that to the wee hours of night after pulling 14 hours at a restaurant. You know, so, so the guy lived life. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Unfortunately, it might have caught up to him because we definitely don't know what the cause of death was. They say he died in his sleep mysteriously of a possible heart attack. But that's all they've released so far. That's all they've led to say was that he mysteriously died of a heart attack in his sleep. So, sad loss. I know it bummed me out because, you know, like I said, I loved following this guy. I was a man, a real fan of his. So, yeah. All right, now that we got the bad news out of the way, way to go, Ivan. Mayans, season two. So we're on like episode four right now. And you know what? I like the show, but uh, what's what's killing me about the show is that it's moving kind of slow. I get it. You got to build up. And I think I said this last year. And I always talk prematurely without giving it more of a chance, but we're up to episode four. I think it all ends by episode 10. So it's got six episodes to ramp up to a speed that it's got to get somewhere, right? I think they need to show more biker stuff. I don't, you know, forgive me, I'm criticizing it, but 
You know, I think they need to show more biker stuff and less, you know, they're talking about cartel and focusing on the cartel and focusing on, you know, other things. But they are prepping the storyline. I guess it's all going to come together as the season moves on, as the episodes get further and further into the final episode of the season. So, again, the buildup is very slow, and it's kind of killing me. I noticed that they got new bikes this season. I saw a breakout. Uh, road glides. All painted up. So they did exactly what they did with Sons of Anarchy. You know? Every season they come out with new bikes for the guys. Their own personalized bikes. So it was cool to watch. And uh, they're now showing a rivalry. A little rivalry with a sport bike club. That's what it's up to now on uh, season four, uh, episode four, I'm sorry. So, I think it's going okay, my opinion. It's still moving too slow. I know you can't expect action from day one, or can you, right? We'll see. Kurt Sutter supposedly is leaving the show to Eldon James, which is fine. His reason for that is, He's perfectly capable of moving on with the show. He pretty much runs the show now. He brings the Latino culture and flavor to it, which he never could. And this is self-admitting to Kurt Sutter. So Kurt Sutter is the creator of this. But to give it that Latino flair and authenticity, he got director Eldon James, which is cool. So he's ready to let him take that project on and move on with it and make it his baby and take it in the direction it's going. So he can come out with the next genre of Sons of Anarchy prequel, First Nine, or another post-Sons of Anarchy thing. Who knows? But he's on to something else in that genre, right? That remains to be seen. I don't know why I wrote this down on my notes, and it's probably because I was watching something on Discovery Channel or something. I put down here, and I'll leave it on my notes. The theory of cows and methane. Okay. I remember watching something that people were all going bananas because they were talking about the amount of cows. Oh, I know. It was all about these fast food restaurants and all these supermarkets coming out with veggie patties, right? You've seen them in the supermarket shelves. Morningstar, uh, whatever the name. They're, they're soy patties or veggie patties that are grilled, frozen, and meant to look like real hamburgers, real burgers, right? And everybody claims that their veggie burger is the closest. Now Burger King came out with the Impossible Burger, which I haven't tried. I know I've seen reviews on it, and they say, hey, it's good. It tastes like a burger because it's disguised with, like, you know, the Whopper sauce and the uh, uh, the lettuce, the tomatoes, onions, etc. So, it's got that Whopper flavor. But technically, it's still a veggie patty and you can kind of tell it is. But it's still good. The one thing you got to remember is a lot of people are substituting... Real burgers for veggie burgers because they think, well, it's healthier for you. And this documentary showed me that it's really not. Um, it's not 
that it's a healthier alternative. It's just an alternative to those who are straight up vegetarians and are staying away from eating meat. That's all it does. Other than that, there's no real nutritional value because of all the stuff they put in it to bind the veggies together. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff in it. Some of the stuff they say isn't totally healthy or the healthiest. But it's got to be bigger than eat, better than eating a regular burger, right? Maybe not. Not by much anyway. Um, so anyway, that's, that's what I was looking at. And that's what kind of got me to uh, to talking about it, or actually putting it on my notes. Why the cows? Well, because in the same documentary, they got into <laughs> they were saying that the whole purpose of making these veggie burgers also was to convince people to eat less beef. Now, I don't know about you. There's no veggie steak. There's no veggie beef ribs. There's no veggie oxtail, right? There's no veggie pot roast. So until you make a substitute for all that, that tastes just like it. Guess what old Ivan's eating? Yep. You name it. It walks on all fours and goes. "Mm." So the theory was. If we eat more veggie burgers. Meat substitute veggie burgers. We'll have uh, less of a dependency on cows, which pollute the environment because of the methane they give off when they pass gas. Could you believe that? I'm ending it there. Moving on. Ah. Harley's 2020 lineup. Adds the Lowrider S and Livewire models. So the Livewire is finally out. I still have yet to see one in person. Um, I still yet to know someone who's ridden it. I, you know what? There's no real buzz about it. Therefore, not interested in it. I'm really not interested in it. You're not saving the world by having anything battery. Uh, but I've said it before in other podcasts, and I don't keep you know, meaning to repeat myself, but it takes as much pollution to make this stuff and destroy it. Not every component in a battery is recyclable. So you're not doing anything. It's just an alternative method to fuel. You're not saving the environment or the planet. Okay? That's what kills me about these people with smart cars and battery-operated this. It's only an alternative. It's not so much better. But anyway, I digress. So Harley's 2020 lineup, this is from uh, CycleWorld.com. You can read along if you'd like. And it's by Andrew Cherney. I read a lot of articles from him because he's a great motorcycle uh, writer, article writer. Got here, 2020 lineup adds the Rider S and the Livewire models. CBO Tri-Glide, Road Glide Limited are other highlights for new model year. So, uh... Harley-Davidson has announced the first wave of bikes for twenty for the 2020 model year. Among them is now the, the familiar Livewire electric motorcycle and a new Lowrider S model. A new CBO Tri-Glide uh, billed as the ultimate three-wheeler. 
a fully appointed Road Glide Limited Touring Rig. It's uh, replaced the Road Glide Ultra. The motor company has officially launched the expand ex- or expanded several new electronic rider aids, including the new Reflex Defensive Rider Driving Systems, or RDRS. I'll go into that next because I do want to talk about that. So I want to say, you know my thoughts because I just spoke about the live wire. I'm not knocking it. You know, again, like I've always said, different strokes for different folks. It's something that you would buy to, I don't know, if that's what you like. What I do like and I do want to test ride is this Lowrider S. Looks very much like the Dyna. Different exhaust. Comes with the 114 engine. It's got that sleek little small SOA uh, fairing in the front. Doesn't really do much. Probably more for looks than anything. But I'm looking at a vivid black model with the Harley Davidson uh, logo written on the side of it. And it looks pretty awesome. I would kind of lower the the rear a little bit as the rear fender looks a little bit too high on the on the uh, tire. You could bring it down a bit, but I'm sure you can get some kind of lowrider slam kit for it. But it looks like a pretty cool bike, and this is something that I would add to my stable. It's got that West Coast aggressive look to it, you know? All right, where's my mouse pad here? Um, They kind of took the oil cooler and uh, made it a little more sleek looking. I noticed that the oil cooler is not sitting at the bottom, lower end. It almost looks like a water-cooled thing, but you could tell it's for the oil. It's got the Milwaukee 8114, which is the bigger of the Milwaukee 8 engines. It says here, the look of the new Lowrider S is really rooted in the legacy of the Lowrider models of the 1980s that has a devoted following which spread worldwide from origins in Southern California and in the recent Dyna-based Lowrider S model. 19-inch front, 16-inch rear wheel, MSRP starting at $17,999. A little bit pricey, but it looks okay. I'd get it for sure. The Road Glide Ultra, nice-looking bike also. Uh, I've always said if I do get into, uh, I'm fine with my bike. I've got an Ultra Limited Low 2016 model, uh, 103. It's got the liquid-cooled heads. Um, I've always said that if I do get another bagger, dresser, it's going to be the Road Glide. I was always not a fan of that kind of shark nose looking fairing. But I'm kind of digging it only because of the ride. I test rode one uh, two years ago, and I fell in love with it. I actually test rode the new Milwaukee 8 one at the time. Uh, It was the 2017 Road Glide that I tested with the 107 Milwaukee 8. And it was an awesome, awesome ride. It was so smooth. that I, I got the bike. Well, I got the bike. I allegedly got the bike up to 90 miles an hour, and there was no wind buffeting. So that fixed mount fairing really works. So if, you know, on a bike that you're going to go long distance with, that's the bike to take. 
really. Um, not that the street glide is not good, but with the street glide, since it's not a fixed mount fairing on the on the on the frame, you get a little bit of wind buffeting at higher speeds. It's not anything uncontrollable, but it's more comfortable on the road glide. So I always said, next bagger I get, I'd give it a shot. Why not? So the 2020 model lineup looks pretty good. That CVO trike looks nice for those that would like it. CVO Limited is back. So check it out. Go to HarleyDavidson.com and check out the new bikes. They look pretty good. Not really feeling that live wire. And it's been very quiet. You haven't heard any more buzz about the live wire. They, they, they kind of left it alone. All right, let me uh, bring up my next topic here. So I was going to kind of give it the uh, Road Glide Limited first look. Goodbye, Road Glide Ultra. So the Road Glide Limited took the place of the Road Glide Ultra. This is from UltimateMotorcycling.com. 2020 Harley-Davidson Road Glide Limited. First look, five fast facts. Well, I'll tell you one thing. The bike's a really good-looking bike. That's first and foremost. Uh, so, Harley-Davidson is discontinuing the Road Glide Ultra and replacing it with the Road Glide Limited. Don't worry, the Road Glide Limited is still has much of the loved Road Glide features. Some upgrades. First thing, a Milwaukee 8114 power plant for the Road Glide Limited. 121 foot-pounds of torque at 3,000 RPM. It includes Daymaker LED headlights, electronically linked Brembo brakes, with ABS and Boombox GTS infotainment system. Two, the finish is improved for the Road Glide Limited. The pinstriping uh, is painted. The inner fairings get a glossed finish. New medallions for the tank, fenders, front and rear. Uh, new aluminum wheels, real sleek looking. Uh, the third thing is the Road Glide Limited is available in a dazzling array of paint choices, which are vivid black, of course, midnight blue, stiletto red, Tahitian teal, river rock gray, river rock gray with vivid black, silver pine and spruce, barracuda silver denim with black denim, billiard red with vivid black. Oh, oh man. Listen to this one. Scorched orange and silver flux. Zephyr blue and black sun glow. Vivid black with black finish. All right. There's a black finish option for the 2020 Road Glide Limited. And the fifth item, prices for the Road Glide Limited start at $28,299 for the vivid black. All right. This bike goes as high as thirty thousand four ninety nine. 
all these colors are beautiful. It's a beautiful bike. It really is. And true Harley fashion, it's <laughs> that's a hell of a lot of money to be paying for a motorcycle, but it is a beautiful bike. Uh what do we got? So I was talking about the RDRS, Reflex Defensive Rider System. Harley Davidson is now offering for the 2020 bikes. Now, some of the features were already available on the bikes, right? Like the uh, dual braking. I forgot how they call that, but I'll mention it in a few. Where when you hit the front brake, the rear brake engages as well. That was introduced in the Rushmore edition in 2014. For those of you that don't know what the Rushmore edition is in 2014, just to tell you the significant difference on the street glide, the Rushmore edition had the fairing with the opening vent in the front. Uh, Okay, so this is off the Harley-Davidson website. Check it out at harley-davidson.com, and you can read along. Reflex Defensive Rider System, abbreviated RDRS, is a new collection of technology designed to match motorcycle performance to available traction during acceleration, deceleration, and braking. The systems are designed to aid the rider in controlling the vehicle while accelerating and braking in a straight line or while in a turn. A rider may find the systems most helpful when riding in adverse road conditions and urgent situations. The systems are electronic and utilize the latest electronic braking controls and powertrain technology. The features of RDRS are bundled together except where noted. RDRS are standard on all 2020 Livewire CVO police uh, trike models and optional on all 2020 touring models in the U.S. except Electroglide standard. So there's one feature I don't like, that it messes with you while you're in your turns and you're in your lean. I don't like braking when I'm on turns, especially when I'm on low turns. But you can't knock it till you try it, okay? One of the features here, anti-lock brake system, which we've had for a while now. Anti-lock brake system is designed to prevent the wheels from locking under braking and helps the rider maintain control when braking in a straight line in urgent situations. Now you got CABS, Cornering Enhanced ABS. Cornering Enhanced ABS is a variant of ABS that is designed to balance braking and cornering loads at the tire contact patch while under combined cornering and braking. So it engages as you're cornering. I'm skeptic. Again, I can't knock it till I've tried it. But I'm a little bit afraid of that because I don't like my brakes being messed with, especially when I'm cornering aggressively. Now, most bikes have had the ELB, electronic linked braking, which applies effort to both wheels when the rider uses either hand lever or foot pedal, rear brake, uh, brake controls, which can help the rider achieve better braking performance. Now, this is something that, again, came standard in the Rushmore project. So the bikes have had this standard for a while. 
Cornering Enhanced Electronic Link Breaking, or CELB. Cornering Enhanced Electronic Link Breaking takes into account the motorcycle's lean angle or trilateral acceleration. The e the CELB will alter the proportioning of brake pressure between the front and rear brakes when braking while cornering in an attempt to improve the ability of the motorcycle and maintain the rider's intended path. Again, kind of freaky for me. Cornering Enhanced Traction Control System, CTCS. Traction control is designed to keep the rear wheel from spinning out. When the motorcycle is accelerating while leaning, enhances rider control and confidence, especially in wet weather. Okay, I agree that. I agree to that. The next feature, drag torque slip control system or DSCS. Wow, they're big on abbreviations. So it's a slip control designed to reduce excessive rear wheel slip under deceleration which typically occurs when the rider makes an abrupt downshift gear uh, downshift gear change or decelerates on wet or slippery road surfaces. Okay. Cornering enhanced drag torque slip control. Models equipped, the action of DSCS may be tailored when cornering based on lean angle. Well, again, don't like my... Braking messed with while I'm cornering. Vehicle hold control. The primary function of the VHC is to use brake pressure to keep the motorcycle from rolling, making it easier to ride away when starting on a hill, um, a bridge, or a parking ramp. So I guess it's sort of like uh, the similar to what you have in your automobile, the uh, hill assist. That's what that's for. Tire pressure monitoring systems also available. TPMS alerts the rider to low tire air pressure. Maintaining proper tire pressure is important for both vehicle and performance of and life of tire. So we know that. So there's basically tire pressure sensors on the bike now. Um, and it appears on the dash. So. That is what the RDRS, Reflex Defensive Rider System, consists of all those components that I just read to you. Some of them, I don't know. Again, I, I, I would have to ride a bike that had it and ride under the conditions that I would normally ride on the twisties to see what it does. But again, I'm real skeptic on if I'm cornering and I'm maintaining control because I'm used to riding a certain way, the bike is taking it as it has to do something while I'm cornering, meaning engage the brakes in a combination of front and rear or adjust something so that I can maintain control. I don't know. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. But again, you can't knock it till you try it. So it's probably a great feature. I'm the type of worry wart that says, what about when that breaks down and I need it and don't have it? I think riding should stay the way it is without all these trinkets. It's bad enough we got GPS and stereos and all that. 
to have all this other stuff is just more mechanical failure and more dollars in Harley's pockets in the end. That's how I see it. I don't know. So, it's that type of year. It's uh, getting chilly out. I think right now it's like 58 degrees on upstate New York. It's a nice brisk night. It's only getting cooler. When the end of September, beginning of October, pretty soon it'll be daylight savings. And it's, you know what? It's time for me to clean my furnace, get my vents clean, get everything up and running, and start firing it up to make sure she's good, right? And uh, pretty soon it's going to be time to put the bikes away. Let's face it. Um, best motorcycle rides in upstate New York. I'm sharing with you right now. That's for sure. New York State is a beautiful place to ride. No doubt. There's a lot of places to go. Especially up in the Catskills, right? Oh. I should actually get rid of this and get my notes set up. So again... Best places to ride in upstate New York. When I read these, I was kind of shocked because one of them is not upstate New York, but you'll see. The Catskill Preserve, distance 100 miles. Time to ride three hours or half day. Now, I can ride to this. I'm actually going to be riding up there, I think, next weekend. Uh, It's going to be way more than three hours. The ride I planned is about six hours. Uh, it's including a few stops, but for the most part, it's going to be pretty much an all-day thing. It says here, the Catskill Preserve, 100 miles. You'll never regret a day spent in the Catskills because the roads don't get heavy traffic. You'll enjoy smooth pavement, long stretches of open road, and stunning panoramic mountain vistas on overlooks of Route 23. There are many beautiful roads to explore in the Catskills. Our ride of choice is the loop starting and ending in the town of Catskill. Take Route 23 west to Durso Corner, then Route 296 across to Route 23 for a twisty winding jaunt back eastwards towards Catskill. You'll skirt the reservoirs, bubbling creeks, and plenty of friendly towns along the way. Number two, the Adirondack Lake Loop. 90 miles, approximately two to five hours. Tour the Adirondacks in a half a day, starting and ending in Lake George. This route covers a well-maintained but twisty roads. So be prepared for a few hairpin turns, especially on Route 9N and beautiful scenery. You'll take Route 9 north to Tikonergoa. Whoa. Weird Indian name, right? A necessary stop for history buffs. And then circle back down, spending about 20 miles on I-74 before zigzagging south via Route 9. And the Shroon River Road, where you'll be rewarded with a glimpse of sparkling lake shores. You also might want to stop in Bolton Landing for shopping and lunch. Or rent the paddle boat and spend a little time on Lake Shroon on your way back. I think I'll stay on the bike. If you get kind of cold, it could be kind of cold if you get wet. Hudson River Bridge Tour, 70 miles, 2 hours, or half a day. 
some of the most impressive bridges in the Northeast span the Hudson River. Take this tour, and it'll take you across several stunning bridges along the way. Start in New York City with the George Washington Bridge. Work your way west in the Hudson River Valley. Much of the route runs directly along the Hudson, so you'll get beautiful river views uh, on the meandering, peaceful river road, uh, which is Route 5. Stop at Harriman State Park, ride the summit for a panoramic view of the valley, then travel through Storm King State Park via the famous Storm King Parkway. The twisting, winding roads are perfect for bikers. If you want, you can stop by West Point Military Academy and take a tour, walk to the museum gift shop, in Tarrytown, you'll pass some impressive architecture, including the home that belonged to Washington Irving. Plenty of places to stretch your legs. The Mohawk Towpath Scenic Byway. That's ride number four on the list. The byway follows a twisting stretch of the Mohawk River just north of Albany. Perfect place for a short drive in the afternoon. This route features a well-maintained but twisty roads, beautiful scenery, plenty of history-filled small towns, and stops along the way. You'll begin your ride in historic Schenectady, then cruise along the verdant tree-lined stretch that curves along the Mohawk and old sections of the Erie Canal. The route skirts the Visher Ferry Nature Preserve, a lovely place to pull off for a little while before pulling through the town of the historic Visher Ferry and stopping at the Visher Ferry General Store for a mouth-watering lunch. The Canoe Falls is a must-see. And Canoe Falls Overview Park. Wow. All right. Ride number five, Tracy Road. That's simple enough. No tour of the Adirondacks, Lake Placid area would be complete without a quick, a quick ride on Tracy Road, a particularly pristine low-traffic stretch of road running from the Moriah Center to the intersection of Tracy Road with I-87. And the 11-mile stretch is a perfect addition to a tour of Lake Placid, especially if you're passing through Port Henry along the way. The attraction of the ride isn't the fancy stops along the way. It's just a serene, light travel stretch of winding road through the Adirondack Forest. Look close. You're likely to see deer, fox, squirrel, and chipmunks along the way. Long as they don't hit the bike, it's all good. Boonville to Lake Placid. This route takes you through the high peaks and wilderness on the mountain's roads that wander through forests past the chain lakes besides countless mountain streams. It's the perfect half-day ride. You'll get a taste of the wilderness that's sure to make you want to keep exploring. Begin in Boonville, New York, where you'll take Route 28 to Lake 30. Just stay on Lake 30 all the way to Lake Placid for a low-stress ride. Some bumpy patch of roads are along the way, which... Feels natural in the midst of the rugged mountain terrain. You'll pass through several mountain towns. can stop for food and fuel. Make sure to stop and explore Lakes Placid's many artisan shops, great restaurants, and pubs. Yeah. 
Ride number seven. Ooh. I got a mail alert. <laughs> Ride number seven, State Route 3. Another beautiful drive to the Adirondacks. New York State 3 reveals, uh, oh, travels from east to west, from Plattsburgh on the banks of Lake Ontario down to Needsville in western New York, Route 3. It offers one of the most popular drives through the mountains. It skirts the high peaks, wilderness, northwestern edge, and passes through the natural bridge, Cranberry Lake, Sarek Lake, Lake Placid, and Wilmington, among the other beautiful destination towns. Wow, that's a lot of traveling. 170 miles. This is the one that didn't make sense to me because it is not an upstate ride. But they included it, so I'll read it. Number eight on the list, the Long Island North Shore. 60-mile distance. Explore the North Shore of Long Island for a refreshing, low-stress ride from Glen Cove to Port Jefferson. You'll wander through the neighborhoods of beautiful, affluent homes, then cross a drawbridge to Oyster Bay, where the road hugs the Long Island Sound along this stretch, and there are plenty of outdoor seafood restaurants and other picturesque stops to stretch your legs. Walk along the beach a bit, or grab a New York-style bagel and coffee. You'll meander through Huntington, which offers some of Long Island's best international cuisine, pass near Teddy Roosevelt's house at Sagamore Hill, and see Target Rock, once used for target practice by the British before the Revolutionary War. Now, a nature preserve with hiking trails and restroom facilities. Whether you're a history buff or just a whatever, just looking for a fantastic place to brunch, you'll find it on this route. First off, Long Island is crowded. I will not ride my bike through the city to get to Long Island to ride through the Long Island North Shore. No thanks. That is not upstate New York. Number nine, the Upper Delaware Scenic Byway, Route 97. Meander along the banks of the Delaware River, which forms the natural border between southeastern New York and Pennsylvania. A beautiful twisty route through the Catskills and the Upper Delaware Scenic Byway connects to Port Jefferson. Oh, I'm sorry, Port Jervis. Look at that. I still got Long Island in my mind. Connects to Port Jervis on the eastern side with Hancock on the west. Plenty of small historic towns, scenic shops, shopping, museums, landscapes along the way. Perfect stop-off places to explore and take in the scenes around the Delaware River Valley. Number 10 and final ride on this uh, list of rides. Albany Altamont Loop. For a short scenic route that starts and ends in Albany, the Albany Altamont Loop is the perfect choice. Highway 85A travels through small towns and open farmland, while the area around Thatcher Park offers open views of the surrounding forests. You'll enjoy low-traffic roads, a variety of twisty sections, long straights where you can really get to a speed, but aware of rocky, rough stretches. Oh, but be aware of rocky, rough stretches on Crumkill Road as you get closer to Albany. 
Well, Albany's a city, so when you get closer, you might want to slow up, slow down a bit. Might want to avoid getting stopped by the man. All right, so there goes your 10 best motorcycle rides in upstate New York. Nine, technically, because, again, the North Shore of Long Island is not upstate New York. So, I follow Adam Sandoval, right? You know who Adam Sandoval is. Scootin' America himself. Adam Sandoval tried it last year but was unsuccessful, unfortunately, and he's doing it again this year with the 2019 Bring It Home World Record Parade. This has been announced for Saturday, October 5th, 2019, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., located at Cox Field in Collier Drive, Paris, Texas. Paris, Harley-Davidson, along with Adam Sandoval, are attempting to break the world record for the largest parade of Harley-Davidson's. Patrias, Greece, currently holds this world record with 2,404 Harley-Davidson motorcycles. Join them October 5th, 2019 in Paris, Texas to bring it home. Registration is per bike. Rider does not have to register. It must be a Harley-Davidson. Motorcycle endorsement license is required. Proceeds will go towards benefiting Motorcycle Missions, a nonprofit organization helping veterans and first responders with PTSD uh, to help find hope and healing through motorcycle therapy. So, again, let's bring it home. Greece holds the record for the largest parade of American motorcycles. Give me a break, folks. Help Adam Sandoval bring it home. That is... Coxfield, Collier Drive, Paris, Texas. So check it out. All right. That's a wrap. Hopefully I get more for you in the next time. Hopefully I won't be gone for almost two months. Unfortunately, the work life's been real busy. But you know what? I miss doing this. This is my passion. It's not the greatest podcast, but it's mine. Thanks for joining me on the Cycle Shack. I'm Ivan Rodriguez. Check us out next time. Thanks to Anchor.fm for hosting the podcast. And Technoax for all your royalty music needs. We'll talk to you soon, folks. I'm out of here.